I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message with me, Nate Langson. I do not have Ian this week. I am Ianless. However, unlike a couple of weeks ago when I was Ianless, I'm not going to do today's show on my own. Uh, I won't say exactly why Ian's busy today. Uh, all I will say is that I don't want to go too far, but it involves a box of frozen turkey legs, some glue, um, his bathroom, and the Surrey Accident and Emergency Department, but really is none of my business. Um, instead, joining us is CNET.com editor-at-large, Andrew Langson. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Nate. How the devil are you? The devil in me is fine. Um, I hope he hasn't been haunting your particulars too uh, too badly recently. Absolutely not. Good. Andrew is, of course, my brother. You may have guessed that from the name or his many appearances on this show in the past. Um, I am very grateful that you could join us for um, for this, the day of our daughter's weddings, um, because um, it's been a while. It's been a while. It has been a while. Always a pleasure, though. Always a pleasure. Let's hope that sticks around. Um, let's start with let's start with this. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, the world's first autonomous bus service launched for public use, not in the United States, not in Japan, not in Slovenia. In fact, not in any other part of the world, unless it is Scotland. According to CNET, these autonomous buses are now in full public timetabled service, taking passengers on a 14-mile route across the iconic Forth Road Bridge. That's just outside Scotland's capital city. We all know, and indeed the Scots know, as Edinburgh. Uh, They've got to navigate the perils of public roads, traffic, traffic signals, cyclists, and worse of all, pedestrians. Now, despite the autonomy of this bus, it does have a steering wheel. It does, in fact, actually have a driver on standby, hands hovering over the wheel in case of a problem. And that's because UK law says there has to be somebody present just in case um, just in case it you know, begins raining turkeys or something and, and a bus needs to slightly swerve. Uh, a story on NBC said the, cust- uh, the companies behind the project, that's Stagecoach, which I'm very sure most listeners in Britain will have heard of, and Fusion Processing, which... I imagine an equal and opposite number of people haven't heard of, say that while the service is experimental, the buses have been in testing for quite a long time, 10 years actually of R&D and about a million miles in tests. Question is, what was this magical mystery bus like to ride? Because it passed me by, not literally, uh, the story that is, um, when it happened a couple of weeks ago. Did the wheels on the bus go round and round? Who knows? Well, to answer the question and many more, in fact. I'm going to turn to Andy, who's actually in Edinburgh, has ridden this automaton mastodon of the roads himself. Um, Andy, talk us through this, firstly. What what was this like? Well, fundamentally, I think the first word of my article was boring, because this is just like being on any other bus 
that um, it is a standard road bus. You get on, there is a man behind the wheel, and you take your seat, and the bus drives the journey. For the most part, you would notice absolutely no difference. And that, I think, in itself is the most remarkable thing. This is not some like revolution in how we do buses. It's not just some fast shuttle system that you've got to hop on or hop off. It is ostensibly just what you would expect from any kind of bus journey um except that it is autonomous um so they so they say because you would really have to know what to look for in order to even begin to guess that it's um that it is autonomous as you say there is a uh, a person behind uh, behind the wheel and uh often their hands would be on the wheel and that's largely down to uk law and partly down to the public apparently not being uh, trustful of a uh, vehicle without a driver yet and let's um, let's so, we'll come back to that in a sec but just firstly just describe the bus because i've seen in the photos it looks like a hmm. single decker um but yep. is is it a full size on the inside it is a full size it is it is your standard issue single decker bus i cannot remember the exact make and model um but it is exactly what anyone uh, from the uk or indeed probably most of the world um, i think these are the, these are the most popular single decker buses it is completely regular in every single way uh the actual bus itself is is sort of effectively unmodified it does still have you know the driver's cabin and um and everything so it is perfectly within what you would expect getting on a bus so talk us through the experience then of being on it we're going to talk in a little bit about some of the technology that it that it uses but in terms of the ride itself can you um Mm -hmm. just describe how that how that went the the route that you took um, and turning corners things like that did you did you kill anybody in the process of testing so well, I mean, I didn't. Um, Good. And and from what from what I'm aware, the computers didn't either, which was um, a great success. Um, the the bus followed uh, a slightly modified route because we were going from the uh, from the headquarters following a press briefing, and then uh, the bus had to then kind of get itself onto the route. But I say itself; it was um, uh, um, uh, the the bus driver had to take control because it's only certain parts of the route that can be completely uh, autonomous. Reason being is that they've had to do a lot of upgrades to the actual road infrastructure. Um, uh, they've had to um, repaint a lot of the road lines so that the cameras can see the lines on the road uh, being able to, uh, and therefore can make sure that it can steer within them because it is literally just sort of looking at those lines uh, there's new CCTV cameras put in on the route and there are new smart traffic signals which are able to communicate with the bus to basically let it know of upcoming red lights or green lights and the idea there is that that is what allows the uh the autonomous system to drive a more efficient route so it will be able to slow down more efficiently for a red light or maintain its speed as the lights are going to change green so this is all part of uh, more fuel efficiency faster routes less braking all that kind of stuff um so yeah in that sense it sounds it's more advanced than let's say that like the, the the cruise control or the autonomous driving um that you see in in a in a tesla for instance it's because it's relying on new and upgraded infrastructure in the city itself 
Yeah, there's actually communication back and forth with the road and the road systems that are um, that are in place, whereas um, the sort of auto drive modes in a Tesla are that's just cameras looking at the um, uh, cameras and lidar looking at the road and looking at the vehicles um, around. So the car is just sort of driving in the direction, following the lines on the road. Interesting. There's no kind of like active communication with other vehicles or with uh, traffic lights or anything like that. I got it. Um, Nick in our live chat says um, that he's read that it has two staff on board. I presume one of them is the driver. Do you remember who else was on board? Yes, there is also what they call the bus captain, uh, which is um, someone who is essentially there to take tickets and also to answer any questions and to help with luggage. Quite frankly, I do not see the point of this extra member of staff. I think it is just there for the testing period and, and while people are maybe kind of getting to grips with this, and eventually that will go down to one person. Um, we're in an age of contactless cards. You don't need a ticket collector on the bus. It is not 1976. So I'm, I'm fairly certain that a contactless terminal will be able to do that job perfectly well, and current buses do not have people on board to help with luggage. So... Um, yes, I, I, right Right now the idea is not to uh, replace uh, existing bus staff, it's to, allow, it's to augment what they do to allow for safer and more efficient driving. Yeah, I mean, but the thing that surprised me most, and I'd like to ask you in a sec what surprised you most about this, um, is that this is more than just kind of a one-off demo with a bunch of journalists on on board like this is actually now a timetabled bus that runs the route presumably on a daily basis right yeah that's right yeah it went into public use uh i believe it still is um and they are continuing to run it it is only on a relatively short um section and there are only five of these buses on it which so it is a a very small test but it is important and it is um actually using real passengers um as part of that uh, sort of ongoing testing and they do already have um plans to expand the route add more fleets and i believe that there are other uh, cities in the UK who are also looking at implementing similar things. I'd imagine Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes seems to be the home of England's driverless car testing a lot of the time. Um, yes, and there's a very good reason for that because the, the it is a it is a modern uh, planned city built on a grid system, so it is uh, much easier for autonomous vehicles to understand the road structure of Milton Keynes than almost any other town or city in the uk there was actually this week a story that a remote driver car like basically a rental service for for a car where you didn't drive it yourself but it was driven remotely by a user that service launched in milton Keynes. i think it is called that's terrifying called fetch um it's been tested for like 18 months but now they're actually letting people um people people rent it so it's no they're not driverless cars 
you still sit in the car it still has a steering wheel and and and, and so forth there's, there's like a safety driver but the, there's a remote operator who has like a 360 degree view of the environment around the car and the car has other cameras and crash safety systems and all that kind of stuff um so i'm not sure what the benefit of that would be over having autonomous um like computers running it because the the point of of this is 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 improved safety because i mean there are some wild figures going around it's very difficult to actually kind of understand where uh, what the reality is, but it's safe to it's safe to say at least that the that the majority of road traffic accidents caused uh, globally are due to human error, due to things like tiredness, intoxication, uh, being distracted, um, uh, things like that. Obviously, the computer on board is not going to get tired. It is not going to get drunk. Um, it has far more. It has three sixty degree sensors, lidar, um, and and in this instance, can also communicate with the traffic systems. The, that allows these vehicles to drive more safely than any human would be able to do. Um, so I don't really see the point in having essentially the autonomous uh, driving, but then having a remote operator actually doing it. I think um, part of the reason is it's just another way to eliminate the need to own a car. And I think potentially it's also just to get more people thinking about renting cars rather than taking taxis um and we'll include a link to the show in the show notes to all of the stories we've been talking about here uktechshow.com it's worth having a look at the photo of the milton Keynes story um just to see the remote driver because they have essentially what you would look like an extremely modern gaming chair system that you would have if you really cared about your racing simulator games you know your um mm. Gran Turismo's and Forza and all that kind of thing. Three widescreen monitors around you in a semicircle, a racing tr- chair, steering wheel, pedals, uh, and then another screen that has a-, a live map on it. It's quite impressive. It does seem like overkill. That driver could just get in the car, although presumably doesn't actually need a driver's license. I'm not quite sure the the law is there, and I'm sure they do have. Oh, I would presume they absolutely do. Yeah, it's it's just this is all new technology. Milton Keynes is been a test bed for, for this kind of stuff but edinburgh has as well so i'd be very interested to see how this roll out rolls out i mean as you said they've been tested a lot um and, and it may test in other cities too um when do you do you know when when you're on this bus can people now just get on and off it as they would any other bus you know they ring a bell and just hop off yeah i think i think that's still that's still the case you know there are the uh you know the, the stop buttons and it, and it pings up uh, bus stopping for the next stop and the bus would, would then pull in and um, let passengers on or off. One of the um, one of the threats of putting a load of journalists on a uh, a bus like this or any, any vehicle like this is that if something goes wrong then you've also got all the world's journalists seeing it happen in real time. Well probably not all the world's journalists that would need to be a hell of a big bus but um, but I did think back many years ago about 10 years ago I went to um, Sweden to see Volvo test its automated crash detection technology um, at Volvo's own headquarters and testing labs and there must have been a hundred members of the world press there myself included and they sent this car speeding out of the test facility um, and had put a massive truck in its path and the proof that they were trying to show is that the crash test system was so great 
that they could speed one of their own brand new cars out of the vehicle it would detect the truck and it would stop in time you could probably tell where i'm going with this it didn't work it smashed into the back of the truck uh caught it on camera and um my video of the crash ended up being pinched by bbc top gear who used it without permission and we sent them a bill it was bad bad timing um but uh, it sounds like there were no similar incidents on this occasion. I mean, no, no one smashed into the bus. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, that was that was an amazing, amazing video um, and a, a very good example of why you really need to understand the um, uh, that your your technology works before you demo it. And yeah. tech demos famously don't work when they need to. But um, no, this was this was fine to an extent. You just had to kind of take their word for it that it was being run autonomously because, as I say, the driver is there behind the wheel. So and 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 to get onto the the route, the driver had to actually drive the bus as as would be expected because the bus can only run on the. Um, sort of approved autonomous uh, parts of it so it's it may it's entirely feasible that actually all i saw was a, a bus being driven and as normal um but um uh i do believe that it was um it, it yeah. absolutely was autonomous in the right areas but yeah it's it's an interesting interesting thing to do and i, I had some i had some questions around it particularly you know they've got two members of staff on on this and that's the which seems um as we've discussed a little bit a little bit odd um to increase the number of people on board when you've also got an autonomous driving system um uh, it would have been nice had they have launched the autonomous bus service with electric buses rather than diesel ones because a big part of the um the plan is is that the autonomy will allow for um uh much better fuel efficiency but if you want to maximize fuel efficiency then go electric so interesting um, that's a fact that slipped me by i didn't yeah. realize it was i just assumed it was electric you would assume wouldn't you particularly because edinburgh's council generally are, are uh, replacing all of its buses with um, with electric models and um, or at least hybrid drive and these aren't these are diesel um they are the most apparently the most efficient um long distance uh buses running on that system um again that's not my information so take that with a pinch of salt um but the the plan is to um introduce electric ones but frankly i think it's it's something that if they're going to be that uh forward thinking about it it should have launched with electric yeah i would agree there so much so that i i didn't even think to ask it such was the, the the assumption um so that's a good fact well um Nick in our live chat asks, did Top Gear pay up for that video? Yes, they did. Although I didn't get any of that because I worked for Condé Nast. Um, well, this has been great. Obviously, we'll include a link to Andy's feature on CNET.com in our show notes, UKTechShow.com. Find episode 312. The link will be in there. Or obviously, you can Google it or Bing it or Dogpilot or any other search engine that um, that exists. Uh, if you've got any other questions for us or Andy, do send them to us. Hello at UKTechShow.com.
Do you remember MySpace, Andy? You know what? I do. What's your overarching memory of MySpace? Um, uh, selfies taken from above. Yeah. Uh, emo emo fringes. Yeah. Um, emo fringes with blonde streaks. Yeah. In them. Um, and probably a lot of funeral for a friend lyrics. Yes, an awful lot of funeral for a friend lyrics. Well. Uh, it's, there's been a little bit of a drought of very UK-specific tech news that we would want to discuss this week. But I was reading about MySpace, and I noticed a date. That date is 2003, which means that the beginning of MySpace was, in fact, 20 years ago. That's almost an entire American person old enough to drinks years ago. It is indeed two more years than a British person's legal age I've, I think I've, that's run its course, but you know what I'm getting at. It's, it's been a while. Um, 20 years. And I thought we should reflect on this and just have a think back to how far we, we've come. Because at its peak, MySpace, I mean, it was a place for friends officially, right? It was the most popular social network between 2005 and 2008. Um, today, it's a place for... I'm not actually sure what it's a place for, it's not exactly breaking news that MySpace is something of a dead zone these days, but it is still online, and it mostly looks like a place for aggregated music content. Um, I just could not believe that it's been 20 years since it was founded. Um, and thinking back to its heyday, I just don't think we're ever going to see an online community like MySpace again. Um, it didn't really care about sending people off-platform in the way that most do now. Um, it was wildly customizable which most now are not. Um, it was completely free, which today is still often the case, but very rarely is it the best experience if you aren't paying in some way. Um, its popularity with alternative pop culture, I think, made it a no-brainer place to be for a lot of people in small towns um, with little access to anything unusual. And I'm thinking mostly about Buxton, which is where Andy and I lived when uh, MySpace launched. Um, and... At its peak, it was massive for the time, but it had 115 million users there and thereabouts. Meta, across its platforms, has about 3 billion today. So maybe there's a big reason why the likes of Meta can't be as nimble as some of these places. But even the upstarts that are challenging the likes of Facebook these days, TikTok obviously being the current forerunner, um, they're, nowhere, they're, they're nothing like MySpace. Like There's no customizing. It's all... It's a very different social media experience. And I think that it's worth this thinking back to what that was like to see if we need something like that today and if we'd use it if one existed. I'd ask you first, Andy, as not exactly the world's biggest social media fan, and neither am I for that matter, if something like MySpace existed today, do you think it would hold the same appeal as it did to us back in 2000, let's say 2004? It's- it's so difficult to say, isn't it? Because things things have changed so much. I mean, MySpace as a as its general format, I would even say, sort of grew out of the likes of things like GeoCities, where you are able to, you know, your your fully customize your own little website, but it wasn't really a website. But you would still go to each other's GeoCities, and you'd see the little animated gifs floating around the page. Um, and so it was taking that level of customization um and but putting it into into a social network format and 
I mean, I look back and I, and I think those things were very much of their time. Um, an absolute assault on the senses more often than not. Um, uh, there's a lot more focus on design and usability and allowing ease of access to things in a way that I think um, MySpace and the like simply didn't. Um, it was supposed to be just essentially looking at like a teenager's bedroom wall where they've just got stickers and posters and things stuck all over the place and it's sort of up to you to sift through the bullshit and see what you can get which you know to an extent has its appeal if you're trying to kind of get to know someone but I do not see that kind of format working today no and personally I don't think I'd want to see it try um but no but you're but I mean you're we're both now out of the target market i mean at the time it was late teens early 20s whereas now we're married and have mortgages and so the idea of myspace it would feel like a very old person going to a very hip young concert and trying to be one with the kids um which is a good way to get laughed at isn't it yes absolutely and rightly so um it's a bit like ian going to um going to a to a, a a metal festival for instance just feel awkward for him and it's just it's just gonna look weird would ian not like a metal festival no no because okay. ian doesn't like people and he doesn't like crowds and he doesn't like the music and he just be ang- he's angry enough without being at a festival but being in a festival uh for ian it would just be um it's anathema to him basically mm. he's better I mean, off in I'd a little angry dome when you could um I would imagine it would be similar if you eventually managed to get to Japan and go to an AKB48 concert. Yes, it was like that. Yeah. Uh, Nick in oh, our live chat says, no, I didn't go. I, I, I went one step worse and I went to the official um, shop and fan area, um, which was... Uh, Were you the eldest person by, by some years? No. Um, nor did I have a giant bag over my back carrying all the paraphernalia of previous AKB48 visits that I'd made. I did see some very sad, lonely-looking individuals in that story. It was actually a little bit depressing. And, and that is the MySpace experience. It was, um, actually. And to be, and I just want to point out, uh, Nick says in the chat, there's no reason an older person shouldn't go to a festival. Many do. That is very, very true. And I hope I didn't misconstrue my point that... Um, it would feel like if you could whatever the 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 equivalent that attracts a very young audience um and then having somebody like me or ian attend it um without taking kids to it it would just look weird it's like when rich trenholm and i went and saw um who was it It was a pop group and we got tickets through some company and we wasn't the saturdays or something it was something like that yeah we and we we went and we just we were like we are the oldest people here who haven't brought kids with them and we were Mm. just very very aware that we probably had gone to the wrong concert Uh, that's that's like i always want to play on the swings whenever i see swings but i'm not allowed to because i don't have a kid with me yeah no kids no access yeah it's a real shame yeah um that's 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 what that's what i mean but the other thing that's so interesting to think about myspace is that although we had mobile phones at the time myspace was around they were at best wap phones um wireless access protocol that is not the song and so you could not have a product like myspace run on a phone in any enjoyable capacity 
today nor then even with our current 4g 5g and large smartphones it would be a horrendous experience although yeah. if memory serves i think i did try i think i had like an old nokia well s60 tried. or something that you could sort of load it on yeah but it's but i don't think it worked because i do remember when we went backpacking around southern ireland yeah uh you you would anytime you saw an internet cafe you would spend at least two hours a day in one on myspace that's true yes that was very true actually um i think i was yeah. quite antisocial at the time but part of the problem was it felt like it did feel like a little community it was very addictive um and i also did use it as something of a forerunner to tinder um to, to yeah to find to find there... girls on that then what what would be the modern day equivalents then because there there is it's almost like it's been broken up into various different obviously facebook is the you know is the obvious um is the obvious answer there but there are sort of different elements of myspace that have been kind of broken out into different things there are obviously there's instagram for places where you can post photos there are various music sites where you can where you can go and talk specifically about about music and um and then there's yeah tinder if you're simply we're using myspace to try and find people to touch so um or, or be touched by i think the closest equivalent would probably be instagram Maybe it's it's obvious, but I actually think the majority of what people use MySpace for, a lot of people now do use Instagram for. Um, mm. And MySpace did venture into music, uh, sorry, into video at one point, but it's a little bit too late. And it was after it got bought because News Corp bought it for about half a billion uh, dollars. And of course, Justin Timberlake bought it, which we haven't we haven't referenced yet. Well, he bought it for a lot less. He bought it for like thirty million. 35 million dollars in 2011 does he still own it is he still uh invested interest in in uh in I myspace don't know it was sold again a couple of years ago they rebranded it and they for a brief period they they had a horizontal scroll which fun fact we took as inspiration when we redesigned wired uh the the website that is and made wired's homepage temporarily horizontal scrolling and that was inspired by myspace Wow. Yeah, it wasn't really successful. The times. It wasn't. Uh, it it wasn't very successful. Kate in our live chat says, "Ha ha 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 ha! Photos on Instagram. I think you mean reels. They still do have photos on Instagram. I think just not particularly yeah, prominently. They just, don't care, they just don't care about them, which is why I hardly ever use it. We um we had an impromptu visit from a couple of very close friends of ours, Brad and Kat, um today, and their kids. Um, Isaac and Emily, who who came around, and uh, I did mention that we were going to be talking about MySpace. And what was interesting is that Cat, the younger of the Brad and Cats, said, you know, she was all over MySpace. You know, animated gifs at the top of things and all the HTML code, uh, coding. And she made a very prescient point, which was, if MySpace had stuck around, more people probably would have been introduced to coding because the only way you could really customize MySpace was if you went into the HTML and the CSS and manually pasted a lot of code in there, which was actually mm. quite forward thinking of MySpace to allow it. Um, but you really did need to know a little bit of code, basic code, admittedly, but it was a good point. Yeah, this is um, this is interesting because I was having a similar conversation the other day with uh, some of my US colleagues at CNET because we we're complaining about... Uh, cms issues content management issues and um uh i was referring to when i first joined cnet uk 
all of the articles we had to manually write in all the html code for like line breaks and page breaks and if we we're inserting uh, links and images that had to all be done manually um and that was not fun but i i learned basic html coding yeah i definitely learned quite a lot from from having to code myspace um and um and uh the other what was the other thing oh th- that was the point i was going to make is that could you imagine a world in which the likes of meta and tiktok would allow you to go in and customize your home page or home screen or whatever on those apps with css with the same degree of flexibility that that myspace and and its ilk allowed at the time not not with those not with that you know actually going and doing the coding but i am surprised that there are are not more ways to customize the look of a facebook page to show a bit more individuality particularly a lot of these platforms do uh they they try and talk about oh yeah it's where you can be you and and blah 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 and and that isn't there to the same extent the only place i'd say that it is is on tumblr which is has always been a refuge for alternative interests and, and and niche groups and there is still very much that level of customization in terms of uh the way that you make your tumblr blogs look the the backgrounds on them the fonts um everything about it, it i don't think it's coding it's just picking from things or maybe downloading particular font packs from third-party websites i think but it's that that sort of make it your own vibe is is very much alive and well on tumblr now tumblr's in a really interesting one because that's been through quite the journey um mm. and funnily enough i ended up on a tumblr page looking for something the other the other day something I quite bet you were quite niche and <laughs> behave <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't that well no it wasn't that actually um and what was interesting is that there's a little pop-up that said something like it's time to return to tumblr like they were they were appealing to people to come back almost like saying we know you're here and you've probably been here before they weren't trying to say hey with this new thing sign up they're much like hey remember us well we're still here and we're still good and i've just been to tumblr homepage and the links at the top and i maybe you can have a look and see if this is the same for you andy on your screen but i have two icons at the top of my screen one is login that's fairly obvious the other one says click for frogs so i clicked for frogs <laughs> and i've been presented with eight uh different colored frogs i don't know if you can hear can you hear this can you hear the sound on my screen or is no no it's not it's not playing through this um for some reason you can click and you get eight frogs at the top of your screen and then you can enable the one to eight keys to play to play frogs nick in the live chat says i get click for frogs yeah what the hell is this about that is that is that is so tumblr because that is also so geocities and that is so um oh neopets as well isn't it remember you spent so long on neopets playing hassy bounce absolutely i did how many hours of your life have you have you invested in neopets 119 hours on neopets and on hassy bounce alone was how many Mm. hours i'm just guessing but i bet it was about that quite a lot i used to love neopets absolutely love it i used to want to meet somebody who also loved neopets because i assumed if i met somebody who loved neopets as much as i did then i'd met my future wife and funnily enough as i've spoken that exact sentence this is what kate my actual wife just wrote in our live chat 
OMG, I spent weeks on Neopets. I assume she means cumulatively, um, not just a few weeks. Just all at once. All at, all at, all at once. Then had to come down from the dizzying highs. Weeks worth of um, hours. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting that Tumblr is doing that. And I think it's largely because when they got rid of porn, they lost something like 85% of their user base in one, in one go. Well, I just couldn't um, bother, so be bothered trying to find it there anymore. <laughs> um, so I think it's they are sort of trying to find its way back to being a legitimate place to be. I think it um, might be worth trying Tumblr again because by the looks of it, it really is the MySpace of, coming back. of today. I might set up a new Tumblr. I don't know what I'm going to put on it yet. Maybe feet pictures. Yeah, feet pics and um, uh, screenshots from Harry Potter. Yeah. And Good um, Goyle. Qu- quotes. <laughs> yeah. Quotes from... Um, I didn't know you could uh, read. Misattributed quotes. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. What a yeah. time! What a time to be alive! Click for frogs. I might make that today's title for the show. Spoiler alert! I just, I just did. Well, um, have you recently clicked for frogs? Was it a riveting experience? Um, do let us know. Of course, you can let us know by sending us an email. That old school communication format. Email hello at uktechshow.com. Andy, just to play us out, do you have one overarching personal favourite memory of MySpace? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm still too blindsided by a riveting good time. I can't tell if I'm proud or furious. Oh, right. What was your question? Um, it, was, um, it was, do you have one overarching memory that you'd like to recall about your time on MySpace? Yeah, Fringes. Oh. Both mine and everyone I spoke to, just it was just a sea of of, of epic fringes. Yeah. Um, I remember I could, for those years of my life, I could only ever see out of one eye because the other eye was just swooped with hair. Yeah, yeah, me too. And at one point, I think both my eyes were pretty much covered. It was like peering through um, some corn if I was hiding from um, Theresa May. You did have cornrows at one point, didn't you? I didn't have cornrows. I had what I would call proto-dreadlocks. Yeah. Mm, you uh, had some interesting hair on MySpace. I think we should find some of those photos from the archives and put them in there. Oh, in the I've Discord. got them. I've got them. They were they were great. Some of them involved me wearing two belts. One for function, one for form. Yeah. It's different times. It was very... Um, uh, yeah, I think you were channeling um, Squall, weren't you? I was doing my best to channel Squall and find my Renoa. Um never did i found kate instead though who arguably is better um in fact she is because she she exists ah technosaurus.wav how much i love you uh, not as much as I love our patrons, though, and people who leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. You guys are the best. You keep me. You keep Ian. You don't keep Andy in an underpants because, frankly, he's making enough underpant money from his YouTube videos. Andy, do you want to tell people quickly where you can find their YouTube videos? You can. You can go to Andrew Langson Photography on YouTube. Watch all of my videos. Subscribe, like, comment, do all that stuff. I'd love to have you. It's a welcoming space. It is indeed 
MySpace. Ah, very good. See what you did there. Well, in a moment, we'll come back to that potentially, but we're going to spend a few extra minutes for our patrons talking all about solar panels because, my goodness, has Andy been experimenting with solar power recently. That's coming up in just a sec. We just had a fascinating discussion, if I do say so myself, about um, solar panels. I didn't realize you could plug solar panels um, into your mains and power your house without having to upgrade anything. Um, really quite amazing stuff. Um, if you want to listen to that, as well as all our longer conversations, join us live, get extra message, and so on and so forth, uh, just become a patron. Go to patreon.com forward slash UK tech um, and get the back catalogue and a load of other stuff too. And thank you for doing so if you do, or if you're about to. It helps support us in these troubling, difficult times. Um, we had a bit of feedback come in over the week. Uh, we had this come in from Nathan, uh, not from Nathan Ian, that would be very silly. It comes from Mark, um, who says, Hi, Nathan Ian. I live in Canada and use Via Rail. Maybe he pronounces it Via. I think they do in North America. Anyway, uh, after um, about every month, I take a trip t- for work and the on train Wi Fi is terrible. It takes minutes to send an email. I'm surprised when I open or save a spreadsheet. Good luck trying to download a new show in the background while you work, says Mark. That follows on our conversation from um, having Wi-Fi potentially removed from trains in uh, in the UK, which is very sad. But we decided we weren't going to miss it. Doesn't sound like Mark. Is it sad? Well, yeah. Well, if I you... didn't hear that conversation, but my assumption is that you never use it because what's the point? Yes, that's it's terrible, and you've got four G slash five G. Or at least 3G throughout most of the train journey. Yeah. I mean, if you'd have said that, it would have saved us 10 minutes of conversation last week, but that wouldn't have made for a very good podcast. Cracking. Mm. Was. Thank you, Mark. Um, and thank you, Andrew, for joining us, of course. Uh, remind people where they can find you on the webs of Inter. You can find me uh, if you want to find me on places like Instagram. That is at Battery HQ. You can go and watch my uh, photography YouTube videos with Andrew Langson Photography on YouTube. And you can find a lot of my writings in a professional sphere on CNET.com. Good stuff. And thanks for stepping in and joining us this week. It's been a pleasure. Ian, I have no doubt we'll be back next week. Um, and thank you to lis- for listening. If you would like to support us for free, no money at all, we would gratefully receive a fresh review on Apple Podcasts in particular or raters on Spotify. That is honestly the best way you can help us be discovered by other wonderful, attractive, m- amazing people like you. So thanks to everyone who does that. Uh, And thank you to our live listeners for joining us for this episode. We'll be back in a week. See you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.